Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. In this chapter, we have the Philistines um, challenging Israel. At the time, Saul is king. David is the life that we're looking at today. And I want to go back to the passage before David is even named king. And this is going to feel familiar to you all, but remember, your heart is open and you're listening for what God has to say to you. I believe a lot of the people that God uses always start as the underdog. They're the reject in their family, They're the one who didn't follow the path that they thought, you know, didn't think things would happen this way. How did I get here? They somehow either become the underdog or almost were born into being the underdog, maybe born poor. You know, those of us, to be honest, black males in this society, there are so many things that come about that can have us labeled an underdog in life. And then there's a scrappiness, there's a determination that comes when that person starts to fight, right? When that person starts to build themselves up and get stronger, even more powerful when that person starts to put God in their everyday life. Because now there's a spiritual fight that they're fighting and then they'll start to see some traction in their win. I see myself as an underdog in life. And there are things that I've learned along the way that have helped me to climb out and begin to win And then when I feel like there's a setback for me inside, that I fight my way back and start winning again and actually participating in this battle. David, as mighty as he is and as mighty as we all talk about because of the great things he did, he started as an underdog. He was disregarded and walked over for the beginning of his life. He had eight brothers. He was in a family of eight sons. He was the youngest and the smallest. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 7, 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, which was the prophet coming to anoint a king in this household, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, for I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the what? The heart. That's that spirit. That, in, that spirit, that's what he's referring to. The inside of you is what God cares about. Everything around us and in society tells us that the outward appearance matters more than the inside. What you wear, how you look, what size you are, how tall you are, what you drive, what kind of job you have. You go to a new place, one of the first things they ask you, what do you do? Everything's about the outside because we're, our spirit is still in a body. So people operate in that vein. But God says, I have rejected him. And sometimes we see these words like, what do you mean God rejected? No, God said, I did not allow people to see the awesomeness inside of this person yet. I've rejected him. I did not share with everyone the gift that he would be yet. He says, 
For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Today, God is looking on the hearts of each of us. Each of us. And he is saying, no matter what the outside of you looks like, the job you have or the job you don't have, the family that's turned their back on you, the family that's there, all the outward appearances about you, size you are, things that frustrate you, God is saying, I look inside. And today he's challenging you to look inside as well. Let's keep reading here. David is going to be anointed king, but I want to see how it plays out. Let's go to verse 8. It says, then Jesus called, oh, here we go, Abinadab. Oh, then Jesse, Jesus ain't born yet, glory to God. (laughs) Holy Spirit. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. Abinadab was the oldest. But Samuel said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Who God chooses, no one can disregard. Who God chooses, no one can disregard. That is you, underdog. God has chosen you. You cannot be disregarded. Verse 9. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. He's the second oldest. Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen him. Oh, man, do you see this? Out of all eight sons, that father didn't look on the heart. He looked on the outside appearance. He looked at the order of birth. He looked at traditional ways of viewing his children and marched the first and then the second in. But Samuel, being led by God, said, None of these have been what? Chosen. You are chosen. Well, how do you know I'm chosen? How how do you know, Pastor Priscilla? You up there. How, How you know? How do you know? Because if you were not, first, you would not be in this room. God doesn't do anything by accident. You done came in through this rain. Who knows what you had to go through to get here this morning? Tired, whatever have you. You're chosen. Every role you have in life, you're chosen for that role. And there is something assigned to you in it. Let's go to verse 10. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel the prophet. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Now Samuel didn't know how many sons he had, but him being in the office of prophet knew when God spoke to him. Samuel was clear. And when you have a heart submitted to God and you pursue God back, he's always pursuing you. You know it. You hear him speak to you all the time. No, that's not just conscience. That is the Holy Spirit of God in your belly, directing you and leading you. And here, Samuel was clear, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these seven. And seeing as that the seven were presented, it's clear that Jesse presented them as if it was all he had. Almost as if he's trying to force Samuel to choose one of the others. Because he had disregarded the one that was in the field that God said was the next king. Verse 11. Then he said to Jesse, are all your sons here? 
Jesse said, there is yet the youngest. He is tending to the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send for him, for we will not sit down to eat until he is where? Here. So you have presented seven sons. You got them cooking up a meal, and obviously you're trying to move past the youngest being presented. Sometimes parents get it wrong. Sometimes your parent could not see the greatness in you. Sometimes they said negative things to you, talked down to you, doesn't make you who you are. You're chosen because God said it. It's unfortunate sometimes that us parents get it wrong. It is. It's more unfortunate if we never give them a chance to get it right. If your parents still trigger you as an adult, you have unforgiveness in your heart. Get on your nerves, one thing. Cannot honor them as the Bible commands. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. That it may be well with thee and thou mayest live a long time on the earth. A promise. So what is the first relationship attacked in a child's life? The parent. Of course. And here we can see the enemy may have gained a little bit of ground in this home because the father disregarded the youngest did not even see him or consider him great enough to be a king or a chosen one. Let's go to verse 12. Jesse sent and brought him. David had a healthy reddish complexion and beautiful eyes and was fine looking. He fine looking and Jesse didn't think he should come in the house. Oh, wait, let's move on. The Lord said, to Samuel, arise, anoint him, this is he. Samuel knew God has someone chosen in this house and the father, Jesse, you have not shown me any. There are folks in this room who have not cleared their heart well enough to see that you are a chosen person. But there are many of us in here who know we're different. We've always been different. We've always been the one overlooked. And for some of us, we've let, you know, bad decisions and habits and all these things come up that have really suffocated the purpose we once felt. But God is here to turn that light back on inside of you and tell you that you are chosen. You do have a right to talk to God. You do have a right to pray. You haven't done something so bad that he never wants to hear from you again. You know, when, when I have the opportunity of teaching here, I think about there could be a murderer in the room. I know, oh, Lord, God help us. I don't care. And God still forgives the murderer. Still forgive the person who feels like they have done the ultimate thing, the rapist. He still forgives the pedophile. He still forgives. And that person still can have a call on their life, chosen. 
So who are we to disregard what God wants to do in us? Who are we? Who are we? We should not let the enemy make us feel as if we do not matter. I don't care how many kids you have without a father present in the home. It has nothing to do with being chosen. You are chosen no matter what your life looks like. And when you keep pressing into the presence of God, and yes, that sentence sounds all dramatic and fancy, but what does pressing look like? What does it look like? So we were at camp a couple weeks ago. We took some kids to Camp Zephyr, and thank you to everyone who sponsored. Everyone who sponsored. We needed it because we had kids God had chosen to be at that camp, but the ministry could not afford to take all of them. So when you guys stepped up to sponsor from $20 to $50, some gave a full $275, you allowed us to be able to call a couple and say, guess what? We can take you to camp. And watching God move in those kids' life. But there was an example of something that I gave at camp that I feel led to close out our time with today. And we have these small group breakout sessions at camp. And in those small group breakouts, uh, we had like certain notes of things we're supposed to share with the kids that supported when we went into the services. Because this was church camp, right? But it's fun. They had all kinds of fun. Well, what happened is it was, it was um, my session that, this day. And God told me, I want you to share this dream that you had. And you're going to share this dream with them and show them how to actually use the armor of God. Because the theme was the armor of God. And you guys know the armor. Y'all know armor of God? What's that? Ephesians 6. Let's go to Ephesians 6. Because when you're chosen, you have to use your weapons in order to win. You have to put on your armor in order to win. Yeah, I'll stick with this. Ephesians 6. Verse 10. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, empowered through your union with who? With God. That's how you get stronger. It's through your union, connection with, agreement with God. Draw your strength from him. That strength which his, what? Oh, which his boundless might provide. We got to get bigger fun. I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm going to English Standard Version, which is the Bible I have. We're about to switch this up, so I put it in front of me. Verse 11, put on how much of the armor? Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against people. People are not your problem. They are not your, that's easier said, right? Because you're like, yeah, but the husband I got, right? He is just on my nerves. So what you telling me? He ain't it? No, he's not. It's the influences behind him. Oh, is he devil possessed? No. A demon cannot exist inside of a person that has the spirit of God. Where there is light, they can be no. But we are being suggested to all the time. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present, what? Darkness. That's why we have to be the light. 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's a different realm. It's not talking about heaven where the angels are, where God is, all those things. See, if you go to Empowerment Academy, let me plug that real quick. You learn about these things too. In about a month, we're going to get started with Empowerment Academy. It is, a, it is an in-depth Bible study. You grow in the Word, and it's not just service-like. It's school. Two hours on Tuesdays. EA 2019 is the text login. But if you're interested in going deeper in your understanding of the Word and allowing, honestly, the ministry to be able to use you in a greater capacity because we know you're grounded, there it is. All right. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand. Stand therefore, having fastened, here we go, the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Picture that Roman soldier in any movie you've ever seen, right? That's what, that's what they're talking, that's what they're referring to here, the look of. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Shoes, everywhere you go, should have what? Peace. If every environment you're in, there's a tornado in the atmosphere, you ain't bringing peace. It ain't them, it's you. Still chosen by God, still loved, but it's you. And God says you have to put on the shoes of peace. That's effort. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of who? The evil one, yes, there are weapons formed against you. God said, no weapon formed against you shall. It's not going to win. But the enemy is not smart. He is going to keep coming because he wants you to take the armor off. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all saints. So it's not just about us, it's about who? The whole body. So here's the example. We're in small groups at camp and we, I have all the kids line up with a sign with a piece of the armor of God. Helmet of truth, uh, belt of truth, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness. And then I tell them, hey guys, here's an example God wants you guys to hear about how you actually use this armor. And I said, I had someone reach out to me recently that had a dream about me. This dream was a warning. Now what this person did not know is my mother had also had one months before and that was also a warning. Now when those things come to me, I take high alarm of these things because if I'm so distracted that I cannot see that he would need to speak to someone to, in a dream to tell me I am too busy. He should be able to tell me in my heart exactly what it is. So dreams are great, but it also means you ain't listening. I was not listening. 
Not in that way. Not slowing down enough to actually hear. So I tell the kids, okay, guys, I got a battle to fight. Let me tell you what happened in this dream. If you're afraid of snakes, toss your fear to the side because this one involves them, all right? Oh, Lord, here we go. So there was the kids lined up holding a piece of the armor up. And I said, I had a dream, or this person showed me the dream, but I can see it so vividly. And I said, this dream was me walking in a crowd, and the crowd was following me. But as we were going about, there was something that appeared. I'd already mentioned what it was. And it was extremely large in position of attack. And as I moved, it moved with me. As I walked, it walked with me. And as I moved forward with the group following me, it tried to attack me over and over again. It could not attack me because I was protected. It could not penetrate this invisible force field called the power of God in order to take me out. But God was showing me that there is something formed against me that is not going to let up. Now, what I had noticed is that from the dream my mother had shared, for time's sake, I cannot, that I believe this was growth in the enemy's ground because of the size of it in this now dream. Still distracted, could not see, which means whatever the attack was was that subtle. Because I already have boundaries in my life. There's certain music I don't listen to. There are shows I don't watch. There are places I don't go. There are people I don't talk to. I cannot. What they bring into a conversation, I should not receive. There's environments I cannot put myself in. I have boundaries all around. So how did this get in? God, am I not praying enough? No, I wasn't. I talked to him, sure but I was not listening, not enough. I would seek him for things. Okay, we got this sisterhood event coming up. Lord, what do you wanna do? Sure, this, my family, okay. But God, I need you to just have your way in this prayer time like he had room this morning, I was not doing, not enough. The second part of the dream, we're now in some old like farm-like home. We're sitting on the porch. This person looks into the house and there's this meeting of a bunch of ministers, almost like prophets. And one came out of the home and is telling her, almost forcing her to try to go inside. I could not see the false prophet. I could not see her telling me, run. She looks up and I'm walking through a cornfield just walking through like I'm in a trance, distracted. Now, something this dream told me, and did I tell the kids this? I sure did, because in kids' world, we train. Those kids weren't scared. They was like, okay, how you need me to use this piece of construction paper? Because we need you to witness, okay? What are we doing? So I tell them, okay, guys, so now I wake up. And I'm awake, how do I use the armor? What do I need? And then one of them says, says, the belt of truth. Really, how will truth help me? 
They said, you need to speak the word of God. I need to speak the word of God? I said, you're right. I said, so when I saw the message, and honestly, when it popped up on my phone, and I saw the beginning say, I had a dream about you, I already knew I was under attack because of months before that. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, Lord, is this a person that's coming? Is this supernatural? What is being formed against me in the heart of another or in the spirit that is positioning itself to take me out, which will affect the group of people you've called to follow me? It makes me angry. And every attack you have should make you angry too. How dare the enemy feel as if he can keep coming for me and impact my children, my marriage, my family, you should not be okay when you are under attack. You are not the victim. As soon as I read it, what stirred inside of me was first gratitude. God, you're still protecting me? You still are covering me? It's been months. And you still, and I haven't done enough, obviously. And you are still covering? You are still keeping your promise? Because God does not lie. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Believe it, whether you can see it or not. So he says the belt of truth. Speak the word of God. I said, exactly. I said, what name should I speak to fight in my battle? Jesus. The one who died for my sins the one who shed his blood, the only reason I'm entitled to protection to begin with is because of the Jesus I accepted in my heart, which gives me a right to be covered. The helmet of salvation. Kids, how do we put that on? How? How you think? That's right. I am saved from this. I am covered. I have the right to be in this fight. The gospel shoes of peace. Oh, that's trust. See, if I trust God with every situation I'm in, there is peace in my heart. That's faith. When you have faith, you have peace. When you do not have faith, you either haven't brought God into the situation or you've been distracted. And so therefore, you're trying to do a lot on your own and that busyness and all those things that you're doing to try to fix it frustrate you. You cannot be at peace and frustrated. You bring faith into that thing. The breastplate of righteousness, oh man, that thing that protects those vital organs. And every time we said one, that child would step up, I'd stand them in front of me and I would walk back and forth with that child so they could see that piece of armor being used. The breastplate of righteousness. That means I am righteous, I am God's own. Do I let that go because I'm under attack? No, I don't. Do I have to be perfect, never have sinned in my life to be righteous? No, it is an inheritance, it belongs to me. But most powerfully, the sword of the spirit. Yes, we know this, of course. Yes, the word of God. Belt of truth. Truth is so key because if you start believing something that is opposite of God, and this is where we get in trouble, we start justifying sin in our life, and we accept it as the truth. It's
it's just who I am because. That is not the truth. It's not God's truth. And the Bible said we should put on how much? The whole. So when you accept your truth over God's, they deserve it. You are now setting down God's truth, which is the anchor for the armor. It's the belt. The sword of the spirit. The only actual weapon out of the whole armor set. The sword. Think to yourself now as we started this time and talking about our hearts being open to God. How often do you swing the weapon? How often does the actual word of God come out of your mouth? See, that's why you got to be in church. Church shows you how. We sing songs you may not sing on your own, but you're speaking the word of God. That's why you walk out and feel all light. You feel all free and lifted, don't you? Every time you come to church. Why? Because you have spent two hours, one plus hour, speaking the word of God, hearing his word, the anointing in the room, and your burdens have begun to lift. Now, what if you did that in your home every day? God would be able to use you for the other saints. So my charge to you today is to look at the heart that you have, the spirit inside of you and say, God, I have not been open to you the way you need me to be. And I'm not asking you to take a leap. This is God, your father. Don't forget, he knows you very, very well. So he knows what baby step you need to take in order for you to even have confidence that you'll keep committing to God, that you will do better, that you will do different. God, what is my step? Are you saying pray? Yeah. Are you saying speak your word? Yes. God needs something from you. Open your heart to it. Open your heart to it. I promise you're not that busy. I'm not that busy. I can make so many excuses of busyness now. I'm not that busy. For the God who made me, never. Should I be? No. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Amen? I believe in you. I believe in you. I know you can do it. I know you can take steps in the right direction this week. And y'all continue to pray for us. You continue to pray for me. If that's all you did this week was pray like you mean it for your pastoral leadership in this place, for the folks who are sacrificed in a given time, even that is a fight. Oh, man, how, how, how far does that reach go? Whoa. But I need you to pray for you, too because we in this together. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.